What's up, family? Joe B. from Crusher Cast. Got a brand new episode. On this episode, my good friend Liz Drew. Um, she's an ex-professional boxer, uh, gym owner. You guys probably saw her in the topic cast we did on fear. Um, super humble. Uh, got a great story. Got a great story. So anyways, without further ado, here's Liz Drew. What's up, family? Joe B. from Crusher Cast. I'm here with my dear friend, Liz Drew. Hey. We're going to do an amazing episode. We're going to talk about life and uncomfortable stuff and comfortable stuff. And uh, did you find it okay? I did. You met me at the gas station and I was meditating in my truck and you couldn't find me. So that's I embarrassing. But... I know. And I honked and you didn't answer. Oh, yeah. You were in I was, such yeah, a deep state. Yeah, I was state. in such a zone. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. Um you know what Crusher Cast is. Yes. You've watched I've episodes. Watched episodes. Um, you know a lot of the people that have been on I episodes. I love all the people. You've been on my topic cast. Yeah. Um, did, we did fear. Or did mm -hmm. we, did, we, we did, did fear, fear and then Jesse did, did love. Jesse did love. Jesse we did fought love. about that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what Crusher Cast, as you already know, ordinary people inspired lives. And. I have you here because you inspire me. And I'll tell you why. It's part of what I do. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? No. Um, it's, it, it's unusual, or at least in my experience, to find somebody who has both humility and power. and walk, They walk with that through their daily life. Um, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last what year, maybe mm -hmm. two, two years, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, we, we've banged around the same kind of people, and uh, I'm a watcher. I watch people, and I've noticed that uh, helping always comes first with you. I hope so. <laughs> I try. And I think when I first saw you, I started going to the gym mm -hmm. back way before I knew I met you. Before I knew you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I'll, I'm going to be honest. You were a little intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, and, and I think that was part of the persona at the time, you know. Um, so what I know of you... <laughs> Currently, you own a gym. Yes. Um, just bought a new place. Yes. Um, you do some work, I believe, helping either out of the goodness of your heart, I believe, helping uh, women with domestic domestic violence. Domestic yeah. violence. You're an ex-professional boxer, an ex-professional horse trainer. And I think I'm going to find out a whole bunch more. And I, I'm eager to find these things out. <clears throat> Once I got to know you, a couple years <laughs> after the boxer, um, like I said, there, there's a kindness that comes from you that I didn't expect. And uh, it's something that I appreciate. Um, I feel like I'm always grabbing, I'm, I gravitate towards people who 
pull no punches. Tell no bullshit, but they do it with humility. I'm drawn to that. I don't know if that's because of my old man was that way. Well, but yeah. I, I see that in you. And that's something that I want in my life. You know, And so that inspires me to watch you work with other women. Uh, I see you mentoring some women and stuff like that. And, and to see the things you do for them and the way you are with them sets the bar for me. So I just, I, I want you to know that you inspire me well, in you. that. And <clears throat> right back at you, Joe. Whatever. Um, so like we've established, you were a professional boxer. And mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a minute. Did you grow up in this area? I, I, de- I detect, I think I know. I, de- I detect, let me see, Kentucky accent. <laughs> You grew up in Kentucky? Yes, and when I get tired, my voice reverts to that even more. I grew up in Paducah, Kentucky. It's the armpit of Kentucky. The armpit so of Kentucky. So not the cool Louisville, Lexington, the armpit of Kentucky, but it's, uh-huh. yeah. I spent some time in Madisonville and Hopkinsville. Yep, yep. So what was it like growing up in Kentucky? Um, it was the town that everybody wanted to get out of. Um, and it was, yeah, yeah, any small town, typical story. Mm-hmm. Um so I came from a very, very strict, disciplined household, which made um, it very attractive to run away, started smoking cigarettes real early, got uh, one little brother, one year younger, okay. and he towed the line. He was the good boy, and he still is. He still is. Um, no, he got in some trouble, too, but then they, yes. yeah, he, he chose to uh, go to boarding school and, and uh, kind of avoid all of the tragedy that my life became. Um, so, you know, it was easy to get into the gangs and to run away from home and to get into trouble with the law. And, you know, um, that was that was it for me. That's, so were, were you guys suburban? Yes. Kind of yes. middle class suburban? Yes. Yeah, so um, it was a like my my home life was kind of like a prep school for Juilliard and Ivy League, and I revolted. Mm-mm. That was not on my agenda at all. Both parents. Both parents. They were opera singers. They met on the stage of Radio City Music Hall. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So my dad was an actor, and then they had kids. And my mom told a story. So they lived. Um, I'm not sure West End, New York, somewhere. And she took me out in the stroller, and I was wearing this lace little outfit that my grandmother had crocheted for me by hand, probably petty point. I don't even know what all those words mean. Mm -hmm. But she gets me back to the apartment after the walk, and she gets me up the stairs, I mean, with this kid with a stroller, and she's got, you know, she's not a big woman, and she's got the dog and this and that. Mm -hmm. And she gets me upstairs, and I'm covered in soot and pollution. So she's like, that's it, we're moving. They moved back home to Paducah, where her family was from. My dad gave up his singing and acting career, and so that kind of sowed okay with that? sowed the seeds of um, quite a few resentments. I oh, believe, okay. no, yeah. yeah, like it, it probably would with any of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how was school? Um, I didn't go much after I turned fourteen. I ran away. Oh, you ran away. Yeah. Where'd yeah. you go when you ran away? Um, I lived with various. Bad factions, yeah. I was in a gang, but but still in Paducah, yeah, in and around yeah, Paducah. in and around Paducah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I um, got in trouble with the law, 
and came home one day um, to get some food because I was a vegetarian and all they ate was hamburgers from McDonald's and they had buckets of pickles and that's all there was for me to eat. And I was starving and I knew my mom had food. So Uh I snuck home one day and I don't know how she knew I was coming, but there they sat on the couch doing an intervention. There was a cop and she put me in handcuffs and put me on an airplane and off to Minnesota I went. Did you go to Hazleton? No, um, I started off in um, Minnetonka. Okay. Yeah, so I was in psych ward, and then they figured out that I was doing a whole lot of drugs and drinking, and so I was there for nine months. Wow. Wow. And that yeah. was at 14? Mm-hmm. 14, 15. So other than, <clears throat> other than mom and dad, was there any mentors? or? Mm. I had the best aunts. I hit the trifecta. Yeah. My dad's two sisters and my mom's sister. They women were, they were strong. They were powerful. My mom's sister was just, um, she just loved you no matter what so much. You know, one of those. My other two aunts were very powerful, independent women, and they kind of gave me something that I'm like, really? You can do that? Whereas my mother was amazingly powerful, intelligent woman, but she was very traditional. Uh So I kind of got my progressive vibes from my aunts. Uh But I I don't... my time with you, I, I haven't picked up on any uh, lack of literacy or anything like that. Right. If you weren't if you weren't going to school, I mean, um, did you end up coming back? I to, came back. I came, came back. back, and I had ten years um, um, that I did really well, and um, went to college and graduated summa cum laude. And oh wow! So yeah, where'd I, you graduate um, from? From Stevens College. Okay. So I have a degree in equestrian science and animal science. So what? <clears throat> Was uh, the equestrian life, was that part of your youth growing up? Is that mm-hmm. something, that a love that you picked up there? I started out, I mean, I was born begging for a horse. Mm-hmm. We got a horse when I was 10, and my brother and I argued about which half was whose, who who had which half. and So then he kind of, you know, got into soccer and girls and golf and this and that, and I was still into the horses, and that's how I knew that, that – there was something wrong with my life is I don't remember where my horse was for two years. I just abandoned her. I mean, I'm, I, she was well taken care of, I'm sure. But for me to just give up on something that I loved that passionately was, uh, that's what made me realize that, hey, you need to straighten your shit out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so how do you make the jump from straightening your shit out to... So I came getting home. Getting a degree in well, equestrian I came science. Home and I came home and I um, was in a recovery program and um, I was hanging around some people that were good influences on me. And then um, I met a boy. That happens a lot in my story. <laughs> um, and he was also a very good influence. However, he was going to stay and go to school at Murray State in Kentucky. Uh-huh. Well, my dad was going to have none of that. And he packed me up in a suburban. It was for my best interest, I'm sure. And he drove me to Stevens, and he dropped me off. He's like, I know that you'll stay because they have horses here. You won't run away. So, so Stevens is Ivy yeah. League? No, no. Stevens is just, they have a horse program, oh, okay. a really good horse program. So I just rode horses and learned about horses for four years, and I learned a lot of other stuff, too. And it's mm. a very liberal arts school. Oh, okay. And where's Stevens at? It's in Columbia. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but <clears throat> any teachers that um, my, made an impact? My, um, my biggest mentor probably 
the person who set me up to persevere through anything in life was Brenda Benner, mm-hmm. and she was my saddle seat instructor at Stevens. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, I worked for her during the summers, and I called my dad one night, and I'm like, can't do it, can't hack it. We were getting up at 3 in the morning to get horses ready. We were on the road for 10 days at a time. We were getting to bed at midnight, 1 o'clock, and uh, I said, just can't hack it, Dad. And um, my dad said, once you finish this, he's like, I'm not going to come get you. But I knew that once I finished working for Brenda, if I survived, then nothing would ever seem hard. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And it hasn't. So Getting it punched like a, in the face. Like a horse boot, a horse boot, boot camp. camp. Yeah. 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 It was just, and it wasn't her. It was just the reality of the horse business. And mm-hmm. so my dad knew that if I was going to be in the horse business, then I had to survive this. Either that or give up on my dream. So where where does where does boxing come into? Well, I'd always wanted to do the martial arts, and I started in the martial arts in college. Then at Stevens, yes, um, not at Stevens, but, but in, while, yes, while, while I was there, yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, then when we moved back to St. Louis, because I ended up marrying that boy, and and so we got married at twenty two. And he got a job as a probation parole officer in St. Louis. So we moved to St. Louis, and I found the Five Animal Shaolin Kung Fu Academy right off of uh, Del Mar. It's um, Kingsland. It's not there anymore. But there I met Chin Rong Yu, who is the U, the Y in CDY, mm-hmm. and he was my martial arts instructor. Mm-hmm. How long did you train with him? Um, well, four years, and then I think it was about four years, and then he had to go back to Canada because he was working on laser technology at WashU. Uh-huh. So they don't have, if you're from a communist country, you can't stay here for more than a certain amount of time, and then you have to leave the country. So then he went to Canada. I continued training with him like two times a year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So when he left, he said, find a Western boxing coach because. That there was nothing, there was nothing for me to do competitively in the martial arts. So what about? Did you attain a certain belt? The and uh, the they don't Chinese martial arts, they don't have belts. They don't have belt system. No. no. Um. So is that where? Didn't you train with Cam- one of the Camachos? Louis Camacho. That was a, towards the end of my boxing career. I would give anything if I could do anything over. If, you know, people ask you if you could change anything, I would have met him at the beginning of my boxing career. So how long How long did you box, both um, amateur? About 14 years, and I didn't ever box amateur. There was no amateur. There was no. There was not for women. It was a funny story. I uh, met a Western boxing coach, and he did not have my best interest, and he threw me into a boxing match with a girl that was a 9-0 and pro two weeks after I had met him, and I got the shit kicked out of me, but I was at the gym the next day. Is that the one you were you talked about in the fear episode? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm either going to just be die of die of embarrassment or, or die of getting punched in the face, so I might as well fight back. So how many fights, how many professional fights did you have? 30. 30. Yeah. What was your record? Um, I think it was... A little over 500. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of punches. A lot of punches. So <clears throat> in all of this, okay, so two things. Well, I'm I'm taking an absolute stab at this, but I'm going to say equestrian. 
uh, and the work and like you said, the boot camp that led up to being trained in it. It's about regimen, discipline. Did that help you in the boxing world, what you learned there? Everything, absolutely. The discipline came from my mom, though. Really? I mean, I was like five years old playing the piano for an hour, practicing French for an hour, doing my homework, reading books. The discipline started with my mom, which is why I was able to survive Brenda in college and and then the horse business, the long, long, hard hours in the horse business and the fear associated with, like we talked before Mm -hmm. about, the training the young horses, which it's natural to have fear. And then that led up to the discipline to work so hard as a boxer. So <clears throat> you ran from from home, from mom and dad. Um, why didn't you run? What kept you from running from a qu- the training you had to get? Because I wanted to do that. I didn't want to play the piano and the flute, Joe. I didn't <laughs> want to be a ballerina. So, okay. so I had a, there was an assistant, you know, the guy in the corner, kind of like the cut man in a mm-hmm. boxing. And he said, if you ever write your autobiography, write from ballet to boxing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want any of that. And I just was a normal hormonal teenage girl that wanted to rebel from anything her parents wanted for her. But the just, fundamentals that she taught you. Yes. Oh, I'm so the older. When I got older, I I did get to express my gratitude to her. I did, and said so many times, "Mom, thank you for the discipline." Because the only thing that gives you success in life is discipline. Mom and Dad's still around. Dad is. Dad is. Yeah. Mom, Mom died of liver failure a few years ago. Was she a drinker? Yes. She was. Yes. So. <clears throat> Tell me about the dark times. So the dark times when I was getting in trouble as a teenager, that that doesn't really bring anything up for me anymore. But the most recent dark time is when I did just give everything up and decide to start drinking again heavily. Um, And you had 10 years. Yeah, I had 10 years. And it started off in just, you know, normal Drinking and and me thinking that, you know, maybe I didn't really have a problem. Maybe I was just a bad, rebellious kid, which I was, but I was also, I had a problem. I had a a real problem. Um, And so then I got depressed. I had some relationships end. My mom died. My best friend died. And my long-term relationship ended. And so I used that as all within six months. Wow. Yeah, a year. At the most. So I use that as an excuse to just alcoholism and drinking is like the slowest form of suicide there is. So that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were, I mean, was that in your consciousness that I'm going to blot this out completely mm-hmm. or was yeah. it just dull it until I can get back on my feet? I didn't know I could get, I didn't know there was a on my feet. There was no, there was no um, future reality in my mind. I was just going to go along and do what I had to do. There were people that depended on me. I mean, you were still boxing at the time, weren't you? Oh, well, I wasn't drinking heavily during that, no. No, oh, okay. The bad, bad year came after I had already retired. After you retired. And what, what? How old were you when you retired from boxing? Um, the second time, I retired at 35, and then I came back and fought three more times after over the age of 40. Mm-hmm. So I finally retired at 43. 
and then went way. That was part of the big downhill spiral was I didn't have to get up and run in the morning. Are you kidding me? I didn't have to have my wits about me on Saturday because I had always, the whole time I was drinking and boxing, I controlled it. Mm -hmm. And I could even quit for a whole six-week training camp. Mm -hmm. But it was still always there. Um, And towards the end, my last two fights, I didn't even quit completely during the training camps. Mm -hmm. I would have a shot of tequila a couple times on a weekend. And Mm -hmm. you just can't do that. You just can't. So when you finally put the gloves down, what did what were you doing to earn a living? Personal training, and I was still in the horse business. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this whole time when I was boxing, I was still in the horse business oh, okay. as well. So did, did you have like a horse farm, or, yep. or were you just? Yep. I have a 24-stall barn and an indoor arena and an outdoor arena. I built that. So I graduated from Stevens, and then I started working three jobs to build my barn, and I had it built by the time I was 29. Wow. wow. So when I Mom's when I'm passionate about yes, <laughs> when I'm passionate about something I can do it, but the alcohol just took control. I mean, if I could change one thing, it would be that I did not drink while I was boxing because things would have been in and if I had had Camacho in my corner, I wouldn't have been able to get away with it. You cannot hide anything from that man. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. He can read you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. If you saw him, though, he's one of those people that just has the light. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. He is. He really is. So what does does – what would have success looked like through your eyes back then? What does it look like now? So success, I I feel like I was successful in the horse business. I feel like I accomplished all of the goals that financially I was able to. I feel like to get any further in the horse business, it would have taken a huge donor, um, a a half a million dollar horse. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I felt like I accomplished my goals there. Um, In boxing, I did it to myself. In boxing... Um, I had poor management. I was uneducated. I did not know how the business worked or the game worked. Um, I got taken advantage of frequently, um, never in a sexual way, which that I, I need to clarify that because that happens to a lot of mm-hmm. professional fighters, females. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was taken advantage of. Um, I didn't play the game very well. In my, the first half of my career, I had no hair. I had uh, one on the sides and a four on top didn't play the little mm-hmm. posing in the bikini game and I mm-hmm. should have played the game because mm-hmm. you play the game you sell more tickets you sell more tickets promoters put you on their cards promoters put you on their cards then they bring in opponents for you mm-hmm. Liz ended up fighting um, probably all of my losses were to no- top five in the world ranked fighters but you take a chance Mm-hmm. I would have succeeded in some of those chances minus the steroids that they were on. Um, I would have succeeded. Um, no excuses if I had 100% committed myself to training and being clean. Mm-hmm. So that <clears throat> that is what success would have looked like then? Yes. Yes. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I detect a little regret. That is a regret. Yeah, yeah, that is a regret. And you know what? I learned from it, and I use it to try to train the boxers that I train today. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I learned about the whole business 
if I hadn't gone through the bad and learned and, and made the mistakes, then I wouldn't be able to help the kids that are coming up with me now. Mm-hmm. So what, what does success look like now? I've got it. I've got well, it. What is it? Um, friends, mm. family, good relationships, repaired relationships, um, a business that um, regardless of whether it makes a penny gives me the ability to do something that I love, that I'm passionate about, and that can help other people. Um, And then in my personal life, I have a loving relationship. I have a piece of property that I'm absolutely in love with. I don't care if more than a tent ever goes on it. I'm just in love with the property. And that took a lot of patience, too. Um, I saw some of the stress. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you were a witness. Joe has been a witness. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have it and, and success right now would be the ability to be okay, whether or not my circumstances and my daily experience are all perfect because they're never going to be success to me means being able to maintain my peace and serenity and happiness, um, regardless of my circumstances. So, I know that you practice a little bit of yoga and some meditation and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your go-to? What what shuts the world off? What what brings that peace and serenity? Because I know it isn't dollars. No, you mean my go-to meditation? Go, whatever. Oh, if it's I have to exercise. No, 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 no. Yoga, yoga by itself is still. I'm never gonna. Maybe, maybe ten years from now, I'll be there. I have to work out hard. I have to work out hard. I have to take it out on the weights. I have to do cardio until I'm breathing hard and sweating. That releases enough endorphins that then I can do yoga, Mm -hmm. and then I can meditate. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely a structure to it all, because if I just force myself to sit down and meditate without doing those other things that I need physically, then my spirituality suffers. So is there there times where you catch yourself going, thinking, this is my mom. Yes, a lot. I think about her all the time. Yeah. And I do wish that I would have. I think she'd be proud. I know she would be. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Too. Yeah. So what, is, what, what does failure look like for you today? Um, you know, I would have said even three months ago, failure would mean if I can't get this gym to survive COVID. That would be failure. But that's not failure because failure means that I just gave up and didn't try. So if if whatever happens, I gave it my best shot. Um, yeah, because that that COVID almost shut you down completely. It did I, it for did two shut months. For two months, that was scary. Yeah, I, I think we talked about that on the on the fear episode. Yeah. But, uh, so. If, if it can, and it's still like the gym business, I'm competing with Peloton in the mirror and work, work out at home. And, and I'm not even just competing with another gym or Planet Fitness, you know, mm-hmm. chain gyms. I'm competing with a whole industry that is spending millions of dollars to advertise on TV to tell people that don't go to a gym. So it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wouldn't mean failure. Failure to me would mean giving up all, giving up my sobriety. That would be really the only way I could fail because if I give that up, then I've also given up our friendship. I've given up my family. I've given up 
um, everything that I've worked, my relationships. I, I wouldn't be a good daughter. I wouldn't be a good sister. And what I put my dad and my brother, my brother especially, through after he saw my mom die and then he saw me in the hospital. Yeah. So did, uh, <clears throat> when you were sick, I remember you telling me one time about when you were at the end of your drinking, did thoughts of mom, or thoughts of mom there? I was so sick that there were thoughts of nothing. Nothing. No. Blank. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Im- immediately when I got a chance to recover and I, I figured out that, yes, if I do everything they tell me and if the doctors can fix me, then maybe I'll live, then immediately, yes, I thought about my mom mm-hmm. and how she never she never tried, but we also found out that she knew probably six years before we, she told us that she was sick. So what, in your life today... What what brings that joy? What brings that smile? Besides my dogs, can I say my dogs? That's <laughs> mine. No. Um, my dogs being outside, um, what I've been doing at the gym, because I can't stand when the weather's this beautiful, is I just go outside and run around the building. I figure if anybody pulls up and they really need a membership, I'll stop running and come inside and sign them up. Um, being outside, I love it. Um, and being with my friends, I have such close friends. My best friend, Kelly, that saved my life. Essentially, I got to be um, of service to her. Last weekend, when she competed at the powerlifting meet, and I could never repay her, but yeah, she's a badass. She's a badass. Two state records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But I wouldn't give up those friendships and all the connections I have, and like a family, and I have so many big brothers, you know, and then Mm -hmm. my my real family, um, those relationships, and then the my mentors. From when I was younger, I'm still so close to my three aunts, mm-hmm. two of them especially I talk to regularly, and I still need them. Are you kidding me? Right. Navigating this how world. Old, how old? Um, my aunt Sev, she would be horrified. She's probably seventy, and my aunt Tina too. They're probably both about seventy. seventy. Yeah. Yeah, but man, wise, wise women, and my aunt Tina is hilarious. She just mm-hmm. makes everybody laugh. But yeah. So you got 10 minutes left of your life. Your loved ones are around, the young ones around your bedside. And you've got one truth to share. What's that truth you're sharing with them? I would say to pause, to breathe. And try to find a way to be of service to somebody else. Show compassion. Is there anything you go back and change other than who trained you? Um, no. I don't think changing it would. I mean, if, if you changed it, it's like in the movies, then then I wouldn't be sitting here today and I would probably never have met you. And, you know, so no, no. 
I keep every time I ask that question, I get the Back to the Future reference. Yes, where the people start disappearing yes. from the picture. Right, so, and yeah. I, I mean, I love my life too much now to want to change any of the reasons, even the reasons of people that sent me in that sent me into that spiral downward. No, because if I hadn't ever been in the hospital and almost died, I wouldn't have the perspective that I have and the gratitude for life. That's I I I look back over my life and. Uh, as some of the stuff that we do entails, we've got to do that on a regular basis, you know. And when I first tried cleaning my life up, those I couldn't stand to look at those things, and and I thought that they made me a, a horrific person. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in, in in one way they did, but they they proved to be some of the most valuable things mm-hmm. I have, mm-hmm. you know. And that you said it beautifully, the perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can look around my life, and that that makes me valuable to those who are nearing that, mm-hmm. who are getting close to those dark times. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I'm sure I'll have some uh, some more dark times down the road. You know, but they're but that's the thing. We know that we're gonna have. I mean, it, we're human. We're gonna have suffering, but we have such a network of people that love us to help us get through that. Yeah, I, I detect a little bit of Buddhism and. Of the things you well, talk about. I'm a I'm a kindergartner. You're a kindergartner. Kindergartner, and I love the the concepts of Buddhism as not a religion, uh-huh. um, just the, the principles, philosophy. the philosophy. Yes. And um, yeah, essentially, that's that's what I think my goal in life needs to be. I mean, and I think the world would be better off if it there was a little more Buddhist sprinkles in the world <laughs> right now. I know I'm at that point where I'm I'm taking a little bit of. A little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Taoism, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit of this, a little bit and of that. Just sprinkle the shit yeah. together, yeah. and it's <laughs> got to be better one than what we're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> are you still riding horses? No. No? Not even for fun? No. Um, a reason? The horse business kind of broke my heart, the industry, not the horses. Love the horses, and I was so blessed to have some amazing people that I was able to teach and work with, um, teachers and and students. Um, but first of all, right now it would be practically just impossible, logistically impossible. Um, and who knows that I might not eventually one day, but the horse business I was just completely disenfranchised with. Just the bubble burst, and once I saw it, Clearly, for what it was in reality, I have no desire to be a part of it. So, every single thing that we sat here and talked about, uh, you end up being a teacher in whatever facet of life you're in. The stuff you learned in your dark times, uh, your uh, equestrian ventures, boxing, martial arts, training, physical fitness. Where's that come from? Is that mom? That starts with my mom and actually starts with my grandmother, my dad's mom. Before that, she was just, I don't know. Were they bossy or were they teachers? No, my mom was very bossy. Yeah. My mom was very strict. My grandmother was just like the Buddha statue there. Yeah. She really was the most peaceful, loving woman, but um, she was also. I think, you know, how people say, Liz, don't, no, tell us how you really feel. That was my grandmother. And she moved to Paducah, Kentucky when I was a kid. And she didn't go over very well Mm -hmm. because she was from Michigan and they spoke their mind. And 
Yeah, I mean, my grandmother was just no southern f- politeness. No, <laughs> no, no, she did not follow the rules. Right, right. And so I think that she was my first influence of don't follow the rules, be who you are. Um, the teaching, though, that comes from Mister You. He so you seem driven to teach. I didn't know it, and if you had asked me in college, I said, I don't want to teach those snotty-ass kids. I have no desire. Just pay me to ride your horses. Yeah. But I'm also open to there's there's many chapters in life. I mean, my life has been like chapters in a book. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful you're a teacher. I, I get to watch, you know. I get to watch you teaching others. You know, oddly enough, I as, as often as I'm at the gym, I don't ever, I don't see you training anyone. I don't anymore at all. Oh, really? Mm-mm. I thought you still did some class. Well, you do some boxing classes, don't you? I teach the boxing classes, but personal training, the only the only um, student I have is Shane, and he has a traumatic brain injury. Uh-huh. So I just, I don't do personal training anymore because, again, lost my passion for it. Mm-hmm. And don't ask me why, because it's not very nice. Okay. I'll avoid that one. But... I see you doing it in your personal life and some of the women that you mentor and, and help out, and there's no financial gain from that. You know, um, it's something else. It's, I, I'm suspecting you get peace from that. I do, and they help me. Is just, okay, so I'm sitting in the truck meditating right before you come to meet me, and my phone keeps going bing, bing, bing. Well, when I do look at it, it's one of the girls that I mentor, and she's having this oh my gosh, it's the worst day ever. Nothing's working out. And she's on a group chat. And I, so, I was in that group chat. <laughs> I so, saw that group chat. Yeah. So everybody came to the rescue, you know, and there's there's absolutely no, you can't put a, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't. So even if I am busy or unavailable, or even if I decide to be a bitch that day, somebody else has got my back and they're going to help her out. I mean, what you can't you can't even put a price on that. Yeah, that's an awakening that I'm having here over the last three or four months. Is that no matter how dark times are, even my darkest times, because of you guys and some uh, some other people in my life, there's always hope. I can remember a time when there was no hope. Yeah. Like you said, there was just nothing. Nothing. There was just nothing, you know. And and I think that's in in your teaching and some of the the people that get mentored that we know and stuff that. It's just an offering of hope, mm-hmm. you know, and, and who in this, I was going to drop an F-bomb, yeah. screwed up world today, right. doesn't need just a little bit of hope. Exactly, exactly. I think and that's what we all want. Even today, like you were saying that there are dark times coming, you know, I mean, for everybody, we're all going to have them. Um, and I've had a few in, in just in the last three to six months, and you've witnessed a couple of them, mm-hmm. but there's always hope. And if I can, you know, get rid of my ego a little bit and say, hey, I need some help. I need you to listen to me for a minute. Then I've never not felt better. I've never walked away from a conversation with somebody that I asked to listen to me feeling like, well, that son of a bitch. You know, (laughs) never. They say a problem shared is half solved. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I feel that on a regular basis. Well, so this, this is the part where you get to plug whatever you want, whoever you want. Um, first of all, how can people find you if you want them to find you for or sure. your business? So. 
Um, so our website is cdyfitness.com. That's easy. And then go to Facebook and like our CDY Fitness page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I can be PM'd on there, that's probably the easiest way to mm-hmm. get me rather than call the gym. But the gym phone number is 636-462-5290. Um, and that's me. That's where I am do most you, of the time. Do you do, you do uh, your boxing sessions is that like a class or do you do one-on-one with the boxing the classing no the classes are monday and friday at five and thursday at six so come join a class and then i've given private lessons but you have to show me that you're going to show up and Mm -hmm. do the work and i'm not going to waste my time which if i do take a private student and this is in the chinese philosophy they talk about you've got your public students and your private students Mm -hmm. but you really have to prove yourself to be a private student because i'm not giving away all of mr Yu's secrets and all of his gao guanda's secrets i'm not giving those away i learned my lesson i was gonna i was gonna quote an old commercial what's that ancient chinese but uh so what all at CDY Fitness, what all you guys offer? So we have a pool, yoga, heat, uh, infrared yoga. Infrared yoga. Yep. Infrared yoga sim- will come back once this pandemic settles down. So is that similar to the hot yoga? or It is. It's just we use infrared heat in the yoga studio. But the studio is small, so right now that's canceled. Uh-huh. Um, we have a ton of yoga. We have a huge cardio room where the boxing room is. There's a boxing ring, and um, the room is big enough that everybody can be socially distanced, so we haven't had to cancel any of our classes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got a powerlifting room. Mm-hmm. So the things that set us apart are we have a huge pool, full-size pool, boxing, yoga, and then our uh, powerlifting room. And I, I'll say from my experience, it, it, it feels like a home gym. It's really friendly, and I wouldn't want to spend so much time there. I mean, I've been with that gym for 12 years, even mm-hmm. before it was at that location, so maybe longer than that. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I decided that I had to rescue it and buy it was because I loved it so much. I couldn't imagine where all these people would go mm-hmm. and, and have a, a home kind of environment. Well, I... I've been a member of a few different gyms over the years, and one of my pet peeves is the greeting at the at the at the, the front desk. desk. I've had snotty little kids. Um, I've had the buff guy attitude, you know, and the whole deal. And without question, I've sat there with you and talked with you while twenty, thirty different people come in the door, and I've watched you. Say hello to them by name, almost every without question. Almost almost every person that walks in the door, and that that in itself says something about you. Set aside the gym, but that said that says something about you. Well, and that comes from experience because I've also been in so many gyms, Joe, over the years, and being the only female to walk in the gym in a boxing gym, being the only white person to walk into a gym. It really does make a difference how the person at the front is is responds to you, how you feel walking in. Mm-hmm. So, and I do know that so many people coming into a gym can be so intimidating, can be so scary, and you can feel so self conscious. And I hate that. And I, if I can do anything to make somebody feel a little bit more comfortable, because everybody is there trying to get better, don't have a damn ego about it. Just yeah, be friendly. Yeah, I know one, I'm not going to say which gym it was, but I joined the gym and it took a lot for me 
to even just walk in that front door. It took, the timing had to be right. I had to be in the right frame of mind where I was just so down on myself already. And I walk in and I get met with, you know, hey, yeah. some, um, yeah. Anyway, it made me want to turn around and walk out the yeah, door and yeah. not want to come back, right. you know. And uh, so I, I, I really believe in the gym that you've got going well, on thank and, you. and the family family vibe there you know i'm starting to get to know some of the people the regulars there and stuff oh my gosh and once they know you you better plan to add a half an hour to every workout i've got that figured out i've got earbuds that are flesh colored so they look like hearing aids and everybody thinks i'm deaf (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard that before but that's wonderful yeah that's very good no i have got to i've pulled them out a few times and i got to know a few guys up there and everybody's real cool yeah so anybody else you want to plug or any other organizations um, or anything? I can't really think of anything right now. Um, basically, the the USA Boxing, they do a whole lot for the youth program, and they're based in Lenox, Kansas, and that's not where their national headquarters are. But um, USA Boxing does a lot for the kids in the programs. And then um, just the, the Robertson Center and what they do for the domestic violence Where's, where's that at? It's anonymous. Anonymous. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The domestic violence it, shelters. It, can they look that up online, or how do you? You usually have to know somebody. Oh, it's somebody. Yeah. It's a referral. Yeah, it's stuff. a referral only. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but is there a way somebody can donate to that or anything? Yes, I think you can find them on Facebook. Okay. Yes. And it's, what is it again? The the Robertson Center, Terry L. Robertson Center. Okay. Yeah. I'll get some. Yeah, see if you can find it. I didn't do the research on that before. But I want to thank my stepmom, too. I just have to. She's the most amazing woman, and she has been so good to me, and she Mm -hmm. takes such good care of my dad. And, I mean, for somebody who didn't have any kids, I can totally relate to her now because Mm -hmm. I don't have any kids. And so I just want her to know I'm going to take care of her. So is is her and your dad still in Kentucky? Yeah. No, they're, yes, they're in Kentucky. They're technically right across the river from Cincinnati, so I think of it as they're in Ohio, but it's Florence, That's Kentucky. That's up around Madisonville, isn't it? Hopkinsville? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. It's right on the river. Right on the river. Okay. Yeah. It's, anytime somebody says Kentucky, yeah, I automatically go to those yeah, two. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's the only experience I have down there. Well, I want to thank you so much for well, coming thank on. thank you. I hope it wasn't too... Scary for not you. Not at all. No. Not at all. I okay. mean, really, Joe, you didn't try to punch me. You didn't try to kick me like a horse. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> it was it was it was non painful. Non painful. Non painful. Well, I thank you so much for coming out. Thank I love you, you so much. Love you and too. I just appreciate you for being a part of my life and, and Absolutely. I, I really appreciate you for everything you do for your Well, you're on my list of mentors too. Just mm-hmm. so you know, you can't take that back. No, you can't take it back. (laughs) You're you're on the list. (laughs) Well, anyway, I love you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you.